Welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Lindsay Devon. I am Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. I also serve as Editor-in-Chief of Pharmacotherapy, an official journal of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy. Today we are talking with Dr. Bill Baker, Associate Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Connecticut School of Pharmacy, and with Dr. Cynthia Jacovicius, Professor of Pharmacy Practice and Administration at Western University of Health Sciences in California. Drs. Baker and Jacovicius served as guest editors for a themed issue on advances in cardiovascular pharmacotherapy that will be published as the December 2021 issue of Pharmacotherapy. Cynthia and Bill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Lindsay. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Lindsay. Also a pleasure. I'm so glad that the three of us have this opportunity to talk about cardiovascular pharmacotherapy. As you know, pharmacotherapy publishes content related to cardiovascular drug therapy throughout the year. Would you comment on the need or the objectives for developing an additional dedicated issue on this theme, advances in uh, cardiovascular drug therapy? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. You know, like you mentioned, we see a pretty big number of submissions coming into the journal and being published every month. And I think that really speaks to the excitement around the, the broader area of cardiovascular pharmacotherapy, both from a research standpoint as well as an educational standpoint with really highly cited and informative reviews. Given the expanding role that pharmacotherapy has in a number of cardiovascular conditions, we really thought it was important to put together some of the most exciting, cutting-edge information that we could and put it in one place for the readers. Well, having seen some of the articles and uh, having read your editorial that will accompany the issue, I certainly attest that this is going to be exciting for a, a number of readers. But before we talk about some of the specific content in this themed issue, would you give a a brief overview of the themes of the articles that are present in this uh, issue? Sure, I'll go ahead and do that. We're very excited about the content we've put together for this theme issue. In this issue, we have 10 different cardiovascular disease states that are covered. We have over 15 different medications or medication classes that are also discussed or being studied, and we have over 50 authors involved. What's interesting about cardiovascular disease is it is one disease, but it's also very diverse. There is a lot of subspecialties in cardiology, and that is what we see in this theme issue. We can liken the themes of the articles in this issue to the cardiovascular disease continuum that was originally proposed by Dr. Victor Zhao. And we go from cardiovascular risk factors such as lipids and diabetes to cardiovascular disease, PCI, cabbage, MI, all the way to more advanced cardiovascular disease such as cabbage surgery and then onto heart failure related topics and also other conditions such as pericarditis that are also covered in this issue. So there's a very wide breadth of different types of cutting edge topics and conditions that are covered within this theme issue. 
you certainly have put together a very comprehensive review of advances in this field. As I was reading some of the articles, I've become intrigued by the amount of research and clinical reports that still appear on drugs used in cardiovascular pharmacotherapy that have been in use for for many decades. For example, the literature still publishes. There's still publications on aspirin, propranolol, other beta blockers, amiodarone, digoxin. So I begin to wonder, is this popularity due to some special reason or, or how these drugs perform in treating cardiovascular conditions? Or um, are there other drugs that are replacing all these standards? Yeah, that is, it is really interesting. And I, and I think it depends on the drug or drug class in which you look. So for an example, you mentioned amiodarone. So amiodarone has been used for so many years and is so successful for a range of different arrhythmic conditions, preventing and treating AFib and and ventricular tachyarrhythmias and things like that. And I think it works so well that clinicians and researchers really want to find more areas and more populations that might benefit from this drug, despite all of the limitations with side effects and monitoring and whatnot. And then you, when you juxtapose that with something like digoxin and aspirin, both of which have really seen their roles diminish pretty drastically in recent years. So it seems like the more and more we get better at treating underlying conditions and the more we understand the pathophysiology of certain conditions and we can really target therapies more appropriately, some of these things like aspirin, which for a while we just thought we'd basically put into the water supply, has really seen its role diminish and we're really starting to get a better idea of who truly benefits and who really may not benefit so much. It, it, we can You can look at it from both ends where we're seeing different uses and expanding uses of some drugs, and then we'll say more targeted usage of others, even in the same issue like we have here, where we have you know, expanding brand new drugs. So it's, it's, it's still a very interesting, n- never-ending array of uses for some of these agents. Uh, that's a very valuable insight, uh, Bill, and thank you for that. And as you know, that there are many drugs that are covered in your themed issue, older ones like spironolactone, for example, and then newer agents as well. So that brings up a follow-up question. Are there newer classes of cardiovascular drugs that are exciting to to you all and, and hold promise for improving pharmacotherapy beyond what the current state of the art is? Yes. So we covered a lot of traditional medications in this theme issue, as well as some newer classes, such as some of the newer lipid-lowering classes which I believe will be very helpful in preventing cardiovascular disease. There is one other newer class of medication that are being called the new statins, in fact, and those are the SGLT2 inhibitors. They were originally developed as medications for diabetes, but now we know that they offer cardio protection as well as renal protection. So in the future, this is a class that may be replacing or added to our traditional risk factor reduction therapies. And um, again, they have been touted as the new statins and are likely to be useful across the broad spectrum of cardiovascular conditions. 
I was wondering if if each of you might just highlight a, a theme in cardiovascular pharmacotherapy that that's covered in in your special issue, and just uh, uh, tell our listeners why they should invest uh, some additional time in reading the full articles. Yeah, absolutely, happy to do so. Why don't I start, and then and then Cynthia can share some others. So, as she had alluded to a little bit earlier. One of the themes that we have uh, a few papers covering is within heart failure. And, and we know this is an ever-expanding area of clinical and research interest. And this focus issue has four papers that kind of fall underneath the general umbrella of heart failure. And that includes a review on preventing chemotherapy-induced cardiomyopathy, another on transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis, and then we have two research papers within heart failure that includes one looking at pharmacogenetic predictors of spironolactone response in patients with heart failure and preserved ejection fraction, and yet another that looks at outcomes following heart transplant according to pre-transplant amiodarone use. So these papers really run the gamut of heart failure from strategies to prevent it to novel treatments for less but increasingly often recognized conditions, as well as personalized medicine approaches. And that's just within kind of the heart failure space. So a lot of exciting things uh, ongoing there. Cynthia, what else can you add there? Thanks, Bill. That's great. We also have the theme in terms of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and some of the risk factors that go with that. And we have a couple great articles on lipids, one with PCSK9 interfering agents or targeting uh, agents and the fish oil review as well. So those are very good up-to-date reviews, as well as articles focusing on atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and trying to look at some of the RAS inhibitors and how they are best used in terms of weighing the risks and benefits and trying to identify the optimal patient population in which these medications can be used. Those are some articles that I would recommend. Um, of course, all of the articles are great in this in this issue. <laughs> and um, it's hard to pick any particular article or theme because I think I like them all. Thank you, Cynthia and Bill. You alluded to omega-3 fatty acids. And so I'd point out to the readership that this is an area that illustrates how dynamic uh, the field of cardiovascular pharmacotherapy is and about learning new things about older, older drugs and supplements. And so there's, there's quite a bit more than what we've been talking about in your issue. And so I would just conclude by asking you if there's anything else that you'd like to say to the, to the uh, listeners about what they can expect in the future and advances in cardiovascular drug therapy. Okay, I'll go ahead first, and then maybe Bill can have something to add as well. I think in the area of cardiovascular disease therapeutics, it is really rapidly evolving. And that's why having this theme issue and the advances of cardiovascular pharmacotherapy is so important. There's so much research being done in the area of cardiovascular therapeutics. There's an abundance of therapeutic choices, and we all need to make decisions on cardiovascular drug safety and efficacy and the optimal balance. And 
again, this is something that's covered in this issue, but I also think it is something that will be the focus of much research in the future. We've been adding many medications to patients' therapeutic regimens and increasing its complexity. Now some thoughts are for the future to be changing and replacing some of our therapeutic choices as opposed to continually adding things on. So that will be an area to look out for in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And what I would add to that is not only the drugs being used, but as you alluded to, how and in whom is there, a, is there a way that we can optimize the drug therapy and prevent overlap, prevent the individuals, you know, with, with 10 conditions and, and 20 different medications? Is there a way that we can optimize their use in terms of, of adding or, or avoiding complications and in the order in which things are, are added on in terms of sequencing and overall strategies? Uh, so it's not necess- it's not only a continued expansion of new drugs in new conditions and maybe even old drugs in new conditions, but how we can better optimize their use in whom we start them and make sure that they're safe and effective. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty exciting time in, in the cardiovascular pharmacotherapy space, that's for sure. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> Cynthia, you noted in your editorial that cardiovascular disease is the leading health burden in the United States. And so uh, thank you again for being guest editors and putting together what is going to be um, a very useful uh, themed issue for our readership. Thank you very much. And the issue should be available on the pharmacotherapy website. Thanks, Lindsay. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lindsay.